Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 86. And I am joined by a couple of massive portfolios and a couple of massive personalities. Football Index Panda and Football Index Big Don. So uh, Big Don returning after episode 67 and 42. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, Fig. Uh, Like a veteran of the show now. Third appearance. This is the big one, though, isn't it? This is like, let's get ready to rumble. This is the heavyweight bout, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, Panda, I, I think one of maybe the most underrated episodes ever, episode 70. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed recording that one. And I'm sure lots of people enjoyed listening to it, but uh, maybe not as a big a splash as you had anticipated in episode 70. Are you uh, hoping to make a bigger one this time? This will be bigger. There's no doubt about that. I mean, last time you, you gave me little warning i think i only found out about it on the friday or saturday so this time i've had a week to prepare i've been hard in the gym i've hung up the meat i've been pounding that i'm skipping every day so to be honest i'm ready now adrian <laughs> yeah adrian, but it's not out the side of my mouth like, yeah, yeah. so, no, i'm coming i'm coming i'm coming i'm bringing the heat heat I do remember you stepping in very uh, gracefully for uh, someone who cancelled on me last minute, which was awesome, because I think you were supposed to come on the week after. So uh, apologise for the the late notice on that one. Yeah, back then I'd been on the platform for about three, four months. So Mm. things have changed a lot since then uh, Mm. in terms of strategy. You know, we've had the share split um, at the ASP uh, sort of removal or removing them from himself. So a lot's changed. So I feel like I'm more mentally in the game this time. I think you've got to go through your introduction, but do you find you do live and breathe football index on a daily basis, don't you? Oh, I didn't... When I signed up, I thought to myself, oh, I'll have 12 months over dabbling this. I watched yeah. the market for quite a time, but as you've seen recently from my deposit, now it's actually starting to eat into um, Betfair. And the hardest thing I think on FI, and it's an under... It's, no one talks about it, is 24-7. You know, yeah, I was up the other night watching the basketball NBA finals um, and Neymar hurt his ankle when he was playing, it's, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning, whatever time it was. And, you know, you can react to it. It doesn't switch off, does it? Like the stock, like the, you know, real yeah. stock markets. So it is tiring. Yeah, maybe because I'm getting on in years, 48 years old now, quite often in the middle of the night, I might have to get up to go for a wee wee. <clears throat> four o'clock in the morning you always have a little check don't you of the uh how, well, how's your portfolio done and yeah yeah so i've got a little baby son yeah. now nine months old i'm only 30 i'm 32 but he, he's up he's up every two hours he's um so exactly yeah. when i go and get him and soothe him i'm checking the portfolio checking the news two four six a.m so people probably think i don't sleep that could be a benefit <laughs> I get the sense that I get the sense that you guys are looking at that in a very positive light, though. Could it be for some people that that's maybe too much? And also, would you, would you ever be in favour of maybe FI having like a two-hour hiatus every day, for example? Especially when we start going into different territories where you know the time zones are a, a, a bit vastly more different than, say, the likes of Sweden, Germany, whatever. I know we're we're kind of live in Canada now, are we? Uh, and New Zealand so you know when when those kind of territories get a bit bigger maybe the US in a couple of years do we do you think we'll have to see maybe a suspension of the market for two or three hours in a 24-hour period but I've never considered that figure two hours mark suspension per day might be good on the grounds of it is uh in a good way it's sort of addictive it sort of holds your attention 24 hours seven like uh, Panda said uh football index it's, it's sort of I'd call it a low level addiction, whereas, you know, traditional betting can be sort of, it can be an overpowering addiction. Football index isn't overpowering, but it's, it is 
you've always got your mind on it, whatever you're doing. You're in the coffee queue. You're checking your portfolio. Whatever you're doing, you're always checking. Yeah, my missus calls me the hunchback now because I'm stooped over looking at my phone 24-7, so I need to kind of correct it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to develop uh, poor posture. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It works both ways, really. Sometimes it sort of, I play golf, like, you know, and you'll go away for three hours. And I never look at my phone in that time. And then you come back and it's like, what's happened in the meantime? I've missed three hours. And I, I think in some ways it's, it's quite a nice thing to have because it, it's quite obsessive, might be the word. It's, it's a nice yeah. thing to have in your life, but you've got to sort of control it. Yeah, you hmm. do, you do. I'm planking a lot more to keep my core strength up. Yeah, um, well, plank. <laughs> Can have, you can have your phone down there, can't you? Looking at well, that's the, what I do. Uh, Rather than have the stopwatch on and count yeah. 60 or 90 seconds or two minutes for the strong calls out there, I just have the portfolio running. Or check See, on Twitter PM. the other day, sorry, I'm going to have to not to interrupt you, but there was someone planking the other day in Sweden. I don't know if she had a FI account, but she did four hours, the world oh, planking Jesus record. That's unbelievable, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah we, we, impressive. We, <laughs> yeah, we, that, that wasn't in the notes, was it? Um, but... <laughs> I mean, I think it's. Have you guys learnt to to kind of be okay with with not looking at your 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 portfolio for for a long period of time? Because I think that's something that I two years ago when we didn't have PB and we had the kind of Griezmann uh, saga. I'm not sure if you guys were around then, but back then it was a lot more wake up, and you were like, oh. God, what's happened? Morata said he's not going to United, or Griezmann said this in Spanish, and it's suddenly like you had the very real fear of dropping seventy percent. And you talked about Neymar then; it wasn't even like a five percent drop, was it? Um, even when the kind of rape allegations came out, it was it was not as as large as maybe it would have been a couple of years ago. So I think from a football index market standpoint, it's become a lot more mature and it's it's allowed people. I think Stanford, for example, is someone that preaches a lot about how you should um, kind of choose a strategy that suits your life best and makes you not stressed. I think that's a lot easier to do now than it is a couple of years ago. So have you guys kind of evolved in that sense? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point you made there. Uh, like two years ago, it was much more volatile. And then now it's, 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 it's better now, isn't it? Like for, for your whole lifestyle, it's not, there's not as much worry as like, I mean, obviously bad things can still happen and you've got to be aware of that. But two years ago, like that Griezmann drop was massive. That was before I was on. So obviously you're, you're used to that. You've got that to look back on. Uh, but I'm, I'm sort of evolving as I go myself. Uh, so I've, I've got a few weaknesses that I've still got to address. My biggest weakness at the moment is uh, over-depositing. You know, I put too much in. Uh, I know Panda just talked there about moving money from his betting accounts into uh, football index. Like, And I keep putting too much in and then and then you have to take it out to put it back into your betting accounts or whatever. And then it's like a, it's like a sand timer. Like just trying to get that balance right. I think one of the big mistakes you can make on football index is, uh, and my, my weakness is over depositing, and then and then you start worrying that you've got too much in, and then you need to take it out again, and then you're not you're not withdrawing for good trading reasons. Then you you're selling players because you you might have to feed the family and things. I made that point the last time. As it, clay court tennis is my favourite um, part of the betting year, and that's now obviously finishes today, this afternoon with the final. Yeah. So there's a temptation to bring more across now as we head into the grass season, which I tend to take off. So I know what you mean about over depositing. Yeah. Um, 
But I, to go back to fixed point, I yeah. personally don't really want to see the two-hour block. Maybe I'm being mm. silly. And I'm thinking from a selfish standpoint because I quite like the 24-7, you know, 365 because yeah. I'm kind of in that sports world anyway that amount of time. So it doesn't really bother me. Um, and it gives me maybe a slight edge. And I don't think this will ever become – I don't know how regulated and – and whether there's a need for it, to be honest. But um, yeah. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And to maybe counter my own point, to be fair, I'm playing the devil advocate to myself as I do to, to everyone else who joins the show. It's only fair that I do it to myself as well. If you had like a three-hour hiatus, that's more than 10% of the kind of day. Um, and, and what that could maybe make happen is that during the hours that the market is open it would be a lot more volatile and say in that three hours that you can't trade you're looking at a player you're like all oh, right i know i'm gonna sell this player i'm gonna sell him when the market reopens and you might have a situation like when the market's suspended for these deposit deposit bonuses or for the uh, announcements that they sometimes make where the market goes crazy don't really know what's happening and a lot of people complain that oh i actually sold the player for this price it's not come up as that price so maybe fi's yeah fi's tech maybe isn't up for it and also if you kind of concentrated the volatility into 20 hours rather than 24 hours to to kind of both your points you might end up in a more volatile market which is something that's going to make access to the index harder because people are going to be put off by you could it, end up with a situation a bit like the ipos where it's just a mad rush and then people are missing mm-hmm. out and want to buy a certain player after the two hour four hour or the three hour suspension and then the player that they want to buy at that particular time shot up like 50p or whatever because something's happening at that time and then people start talking about you know insider trading and bots being used and this sort of thing so it might just create another complication i think it's a really good thing that football index like lives with you it's been good for me as in like it gives me something to obsess about and i'm an obsessive person by nature but it's a nice like low level obsession rather than all consuming but you've got to protect yourself this like is good advice for anyone from it becoming all in, in all consuming you know if you go to bed at night and you can't get to sleep because you're worrying about a certain price of a player then you might have too much money invested in that particular player. So you've got to, you've definitely got to trade according to your lifestyle and your mindset. Yeah. And you've got to go with your gut. And the thing I do as well, if I'm thinking, uh, I don't know, pick a football match, I'm thinking, right, we'll, we'll see the outcome of this match. And then I'm definitely going to sell player X. Usually that's too late. I should be selling before because I don't want the stress of, you know, the team losing him then crashing and dropping. So I try and stay out of the stress zones and um, anticipate yeah. that. So whether that's cut, not having a too big a percentage holding one player um, or being a bit more anticipatory, what's the word? Anticipatory. 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 Yeah, it's a tricky word. Though. I yeah. Might yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you've got to really trade to your own like mindset, haven't you? Because otherwise you can bring up a lot of stress on yourself and then that leads to, it can snowball, it leads to bad decisions so even though you might not be making the most efficient trading decision that you should be making you've got to like i think well it's sam f is the psychology uh, Mm. person that's been on the podcast before and you've you've got to really pay credence to the psychological elements in football index yeah the last episode with the yvan the trading composure guy he talks a lot about how 
um, not not driving your trades by your emotions. And if you're stressed, that means those stresses usually lead to kind of like anxiety, anger, all those emotions that you don't really want swirling about in your mind when you're when you're trying to execute a trade or, or whatever you're trying to do on yeah, football. Hundred percent. And the biggest, the mind for me is the is the biggest part to get right. I felt like and this is more betfair actually, so maybe we we'll come onto it later, but maybe it crosses over. I've got the technique before I kind of mastered my own mind. Um, so if I lost on a Sunday, um, there's not a lot of sport left on a Sunday evening, that would sit with me quite a bit. And then I'd be a bit more edgy and antsy going into a Monday morning start of a new tennis week. And um, it's just about keeping that mind in balance, not chasing. I try not to look at profits that often. I maybe book them once a month, um, record my trades. I look back on them at the end of each month and kind of analyze um it's just yeah the the mind is is crucial really and not getting too greedy not getting carried away not looking too far ahead i mean look, nothing wrong with having ambitions but i personally don't like targets because yeah. to me i just want to execute my trading strategy mm. day, day in day out with a cold mind i don't want to feel pressure to meet an artificial target and actually in betfair i'll have losing months um and, you know, you think, can I pay the bills? That's the, probably the hardest thing to overcome. I may yeah. struggle for a month or six weeks. And then might go on a rich vein of form. You get some luck because luck evens out over time. You might get some refereeing decisions, penalty decisions. And you're just learning to look at the, the big picture and, mm. um, yeah, let your advantage yeah. come through in the end. It's interesting that because I, I, I think part of the thing about this podcast, me against Panda, is with our gambling techniques are a lot different from each other. You know, but we've brought both our backgrounds into football index. But I think we'd probably agree on quite a lot of points, like as in trading. Even even though we've come from different backgrounds, like we'll, we'll probably a lot of it will merge into one. Uh, what one one big thing I just thought about there when Panda was speaking about a loss. I mean, I've had like quite some big losses betting. Uh, you know, usually through a mistake. Like if I was doing match betting, I'd back one horse and then lay the wrong horse and then that lay horse will come in and you you realize after oh no what have i done it's uh like it might have cost you say say for example it's cost you a thousand pounds and you're gutted and that that being gutted will stay with you for maybe I, what i found through experience is something that comes through experience that that feeling lasts for about three days where you can't sleep you can't like that's all you think about and then that that affects everything else in your life you know you're shouting at the missus uh She's shouting back at you, and then it escalates, and then you're not in any frame of mind to be doing a betting or football trading. I've been, I've been there. I, I started off my betting career way, way down, thousands and thousands down. I think Jeffrey Boycott said there's a fine line between passion and addiction, and you know, yeah. I think it needs to be passionate about something to be good at it, but then you don't want it to border over into the the addiction. I don't really know where that line is, but I started off heavily down, and um, yeah, I've been in those moments with the lock, the lock stock moments i call it when you lose the <laughs> poker game everything starts yeah. spinning around him and uh at three days is scarily accurate yeah. i find the same time but what, like, yeah but what, what can happen is sorry panda i don't want to interrupt but you know what i'm like i'm a ranter uh but <laughs> what 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 does happen after that three days is that this is a big point i did make it last time and it's pro- probably like some people have made the point is your brain accepts after three or four days the loss whatever it is i mean someone might lose 10 pounds it might be big to them Someone might lose a hundred thousand pounds, and every. Uh, but the fact is that you, your brain needs time to process the loss, mm. and then after three or four days, you, like you live with it, and then it's like I know it's too hard a term to put on it, but it's like a grieving process for your loss, and then you learn to live with it, and then you carry on, like, and then you can get yeah. back to your uh, 
your normal state of mind, like Panda said, your neutral, uh, positive way of thinking. Yeah, it's all about, I know if I'm going to have a good day generally, because it's how it sounds so stupid do i get on my morning walk do i do my reading routines am i on the front foot am i kind of willing to be patient and uh you know your own body and mind so you you take that into training i was actually talking to someone this morning actually uh like and sleep's a massive thing you know if you're not if you're not getting your eight hours Mm. sleep or however much you need in your regular sleep then that's gonna that's gonna cut in and then that that creates stress doesn't it because your cortisol or whatever that hormone is yeah the stress hormone that's right stress hormone and then everything like good sleep good eating good exercise everything it all has a knock-on effect and yeah. we don't consider it enough and i feel myself speeding up so if i'm watching trading a cricket match usually i'll try and wait for a moment of i call it a trigger moment so perhaps a batting team are going really really well then the spinners come on uh, the field restrictions loosen and you sense the batting partnership starting to get a bit frustrated so you think oh is this an opportunity to make a make a move um yeah if the cortisol's high i'm imbalanced i'm going to snatch at it and i'm going to take the wrong price i'm going to get a bit antsy and all of a sudden once you've got red on your screen you're looking at a loss that can be quite hard to kind of rebalance so yeah sleep nutrition it sounds so stupid but i, I absolutely need to be fairly healthy to kind of keep yeah. them together because i think it's a very difficult career it's something i've really i mean i do it differently to you but i'm gonna ask you a question in a minute but yeah. it's something i've sort of belatedly sort of brought on board my exercise is getting better meetings getting better mm. uh, i gave up alcohol about three years ago because that was affecting me mm. uh and then sleep's my next thing that i need to address and then like just from what you've said before there uh, i need a bit of a more structured routine because you've just like hinted at having a reading routine exercise routine like you can have t- different times for it can't you oh yeah and i've got podcast routine so I, yeah. I, flew, I flew with a friend to hong kong a couple of years ago and uh i mean i never forget he was always laughing because i just listened a 12-hour flight and i had podcasts on the whole way never watched a film but i needed to get those podcasts into the week so it's all <laughs> part of the it's you know it it works for me but it wouldn't work for other people they may not want to be yeah. kind of obsessed so you just there are so many ways to do it you just yeah. got to find mm-hmm. your own way i think um the sleep moment i know we've strayed so far from football index and this is like we're gonna get into the we're gonna get into the questions i promise listeners in a minute but i was listening to uh, a joe rogan podcast with a neuroscientist he's like a, a sleep doctor i'd recommend everyone whatever you do whatever walk of life you're in uh dr matthew walker on the joe rogan podcast he's like a sleep specialist he talks about how um you need at least seven hours of sleep at, at a night and uh, one of the crazy some of the there's crazy stats all over it but one half of your brain won't sleep as deeply as the other when sleeping in a foreign environment like a hotel room crazy stat if you're uh men who sleep five to six hours a night will have a level of toss uh will have a um a level of testosterone six to ten years their senior so if you're 25 and you only sleep five to six years hours a night you're actually your testosterone levels are nearly six to ten years uh your senior so it's, as to someone who's either 31 or 35 years old so sleep is uh is basically the most underrated uh medicine in in kind of our our, our lives that hasn't really been explored that um that deeply by scientists and doctors which uh I, I think everyone everyone should definitely listen to that podcast i think it's episode 1109 definitely have a listen to that really good but anyway 
Anyway, anyway, uh, before we get really into it, so because we're already twenty minutes in, uh, I I want you guys to check out the uh, the squad builder on on my YouTube channel. Episode two just came out. Uh, a bit better of a month than, than last month. It's been really fun doing that series so far, and and getting everyone's recommendations and, and constructive criticisms. Then I think that one could evolve into into something quite special on on the YouTube channel. But I, I won't plug anything else. We'll get into into it right away. A uh, question from Daily uh, from the Football Index Twitter community. Can you both please talk about your gambling or trading backgrounds and discuss which skills are most useful for Football Index? Yeah. Uh, I'll talk about myself first. I, well, I, start, I said in the last podcast, I started in about 2007, uh, match betting. I was just saying to Fig before about match betting. Uh, you know, it was gambling introduction, offer loopholes, someone at work came across that and we we all started uh doing that and it was quite easy back in the day because there wasn't that many people doing it and like we used to get free bets you put 100 pounds bet on a horse or a football match you'd lay it off at betfair you get a free bet and then you do that and then you go through all the bookies and you and then you get reload offers and then you'd move into arbitrage or arbitrage however you pronounce it and then there's all like different offshoots but the problem is what happened about five or six years ago, uh, there was a certain site came along. It was called Profit Accumulator. And there was a various sites like that. And there was like thousands of people started doing the simple match betting. And it just became much harder to make money. But in a way, it did me a favour because it made me sort of think a bit laterally. Uh, I've always been, like for the last sort of seven or eight years, I've been in like I'd say cahoots with you know uh, Bishop from uh, Index Gain, and me and him like it's a bit like it's it's not dissimilar to me and Panda because we have different views, but that's quite good because we'll chat in a sort of friendly way, usually over WhatsApp, and he's got one view, I've got another. You say oh, that's bullshit. He'll come back to me say well, how about that? You know we'll knock it. We'll we'll it's a bit like tennis will knock it backwards and forwards and we'll actually come up with a good sort of method to hit the next uh, thing that we want to do whether it be uh, casino offers sports offers we've done all sorts like, like like for example the most extreme things I've done I've sent someone to the British Open to be like a roving reporter for myself I've been on t- on the uh, telephone with him and he's been giving me like live like you know live updates on players shots so I can get onto Betfair quicker than everyone else but it's hard work because the crowd you know I only did it twice because it didn't really work because the crowds are too much and there's people doing it every week so you're up against like experts in that field but that's just an extreme example of the lengths you go to just to get an edge on the market uh, I'm presuming that Panda I'll let him talk in a minute but he's he comes I think he's coming from more of a knowledge sports knowledge point of view which I haven't really got, even though I'm interested in sport, particularly golf. I haven't really got the knowledge. I've come from a more my introduction to uh, trading and gambling's been through a mathematical advantage point of view. So it doesn't matter what I'm backing, as long as it's value. And Betfair, as Panda will agree, is a great tool for looking at value. If Betfair says that Man United's going to win in a on Saturday and they're evens, then you can pretty much say that that's the correct odds. And then if a bookie's got it higher than that, then you know, then that's good value. And if it's less than that, which it usually will be, then that's bad value. 
if you can just keep betting, this is like however you do it, if you can keep betting at over 100% return to player, then you will make money in the long run. And you can either do that through mathematical advantage or you can do it through sports knowledge advantage, which I think Pandas does, but he's going to tell me in a minute. Uh, and the other way, is, which is big now, is their data and using data to like create your own odds and like saying that Betfair's odds are wrong because my data says this. And you like, m- But my edge is the mathematical edge. Uh, but that's basically it. I've done, I've done a bit of the sports. Well, I, I've done a little bit of the match betting as well at uni and opened up some accounts in different people's names. So I found that on the Martin Lewis website and it yeah. still exists today. And it's a good way to make money for anyone listening. Um, so yeah. I'd, I'd advise to go and have a look on the money moneysavingexpert.com, but Google Martin Lewis match betting. Um, I've also had a little dabble in sports arbitrage as well. So I can't remember the software I had. It may have been Arb Hunter, Arb Alert, but had a piece of software that would alert me. Yeah. Um, where, I don't know, two tennis players, maybe both above evens at different bookmakers um, or with Betfair. So I, um, I did that, but I found I wasn't quick enough to do it. I didn't really have a passion for it. Didn't enjoy it. The margins weren't particularly great, so it didn't keep, didn't hold my interest. Um, so really, my my background is sports knowledge. I mean, I, I don't know why. A bit peculiar. I remember having in Carter '97 and reading baseball rules and just studying things and buying Madden and like you know writing down all the NFL players of every team and stats. So I've always just loved sport. I've loved watching sports, breaking down the events. Um, I'm not a big data head. I don't have sophisticated algorithms or huge, vast amounts of data. To me, that 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 isn't my edge. My edge is just watching a sport, loving a sport, and trying to determine who is going to, you know, win the event. And I, I only ever focus on match odds. I don't do over/under goals or accumulators or first goal scorers. So always match odds and always in the sports that I love. So as I alluded to earlier, I started off. Uh, losing heavily for about three or four years massive losses um but i always felt there was something there um so i had to kind mm. of streamline the sports i focused on and uh, over time yeah i think i mentioned it in the last podcast started to break even had a fairly good job in the city um and once i was kind of matching my salary through that i stepped away and then obviously turned to this full time um so that's that's a bit of a journey so i um yes come at come at it from a slightly different angle to um can I can I just ask a quick question? Any, any questions? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's just comparing notes. But do you use still use traditional bookmakers, or do you generally just use Betfair exchange? Hundred percent Betfair. Yeah, I was just going to say because then at least you know that you're getting a good price. Yeah, well, to me, I I don't think I would be I wouldn't be able to do this if I just had bookmakers. Yeah. I don't think the margins are there. Trading in and out is huge for me. You know, I mean. I, I posted a screenshot this week. I don't know why I'm really doing this, but anyway, just kind of having fun with Twitter. But I watched, uh, you know, England, Netherlands football the other night. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the game. I've gone in there with a with a, a kind of understanding that in my head, um, Netherlands are a slightly better team, especially with the lineups. England go 1-0 up, so I'm quite happy. that All of a sudden, an opportunity is open for me. Um, but I need to see more. Obviously, Holland then start turning the screw, retaining possession. And then once Sancho missed that header uh, in the second half, to me, that was my trigger point to go in and actually lay England. So I'm looking for lots of missed chances or mm. I'm looking for a substitution or I'm, lo- I'm looking for some intangibles um, that it's kind of resonate yeah. with me. I'm not focused on stats. A lot of traders out there will look at patterns yeah. of matches, shots on target, and they'll just find an event to match their trading strategy and they'll execute a trade. 
I go a lot more with a kind of, I guess, softer approach and look at intangibles. So I guess a classic example of that, I love manager changes. So all the way back to when Spurs were useless under Wendy Ramos and I think he banned ketchup and stuff there. And then Harry, Red <laughs> Harry Redknapp, there was loads of stories about what Ramos did to upset the kind of dressing room and yeah. Spurs were languishing, weren't they? Bottom three or four. And then Harry Redknapp went in at Christmas. And to me, there's your trigger point. You know, I'm expecting Spurs to revert to form. They've still got some quality players in the squad. So then I'm going to probably back Spurs time and time again to kind of bounce back out. That happened again with Jose that season, I think in 2015, when Gus Hidden come in, instant response from the team. A little yeah. bit this year when Henri left at Monaco and um, Jardim come back. Again, not, not uh, a resounding success but Monaco did bounce back a little bit so that's probably a good point that's yeah. something I'll look for in FI I'll look for those trigger moments or I've got about 10 or 15 that I'm constantly kind of assessing and on my reading lists thinking about that will help me identify when I'm going to jump into an event so that's a bit of a crossover between Betfair. Can I, can I, can I ask you a question there actually uh, Panda when you decided uh, this is going quite a few minutes back now when you decided to go from doing this on the side and your career at the same time what was was it just matching your salary or was there I, a different from day one i've never wanted to be in an office i call them like battery hens you know i can't stand the small talk i mean it was the monday morning lift <laughs> chat what'd you do over the weekend you know panda well i'm not not called panda at work but you know uh, and then everyone would wander over to my desk around midday and they'd say oh, what's in the sandwich there oh you got tuna sandwiches if it was the most fat you know i just couldn't take it anymore so uh, i had to kind of get out and do my own thing and follow my own path so that was part of it as well. Money, I've always wanted to spend time with family, as I've said, lucky enough now to have a baby. So, you know, being there for for him and um yeah, I've just preferred working from home, working my own hours. I've always been a night out watching American sports, so getting up at six, seven doesn't suit me. So yeah, lifestyle choice and and finances as well. I was quite similar because I was in the fire service and I worked till twenty thirteen. Mm. Twenty yeah, twenty thirteen and then I took no twenty twelve and then I took a career break. A year just to make sure I could make it work, and then for that year I like absolutely hammered it. You know, like so I don't know, maybe fifteen hours a day, just like out of fear of not making it work. But I could have gone back. I had that sort of safety net. Oh. As soon as I realised I could make it work, then I handed my notice in, and then didn't go back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I got a qualification. I got an ACA, so I've got an. Um kind of chartered accountancy qualification um so i have something to fall back on so i wasn't completely reckless and i wouldn't advise people just no. hand in the p45 tomorrow and get cracking on betfair <laughs> no. there was seven or eight years of losses and time invested into it before i made that yeah. decision so you know but anything's possible if you know people yeah, it's not you're probably similar to me it's not a it's not a bed of roses and you are driven a bit by fear because you think well if it goes wrong and then that, that plays into your losses how you yeah and, losses and until you see someone, I mean, you sit there sometimes and I remember a tennis uh, tournament in St. Petersburg in Russia. And, um, you know, you wake up on a Monday morning, you sit down, watch, get your two courts up on the stream. And you may sit there for three days, there's about 20 people in the audience. And you're just waiting to see if there's a moment where something pops yeah. up to you or where there's a trade. And you do get a bit itchy and you think, well, I've got bills coming out. And that's a hard thing yeah. to kind of relax with and get your head around. So it sounds to me, sorry, go on. Go on. Oh no, I was going to say that's oh, why I don't. Yeah. Although I disagree on Twitter, and we'll get into that later. Yeah, we'll get into that. My strategy. Yeah. I've got the utmost respect for your, yeah. you know, yeah. way of life, and uh, well, I do wish you, you nothing but well. You, you do. I mean, Twitter. We'll talk about Twitter after. Yeah, but <laughs> there's many ways to 
crack the egg, so to speak, in oh, this world. Yeah. It's like, I mean, there's what I do, and there's what you do, and then there's like another thousand and one ways to do it. And the problem is, what what can happen if you're making like decent money? I mean, or steady money, even you start thinking that your way is the best way, mm. uh, or you know, you start like even subconsciously, you start thinking, well, no one else is doing this, I'm doing this, and you start getting a bit above your station, and mm. like this is me as much as anyone. Uh, like you start getting above your station but it's, it, it is interesting to talk to someone like from a similar sort of walk of life but does it differently to you but it sounds a lot to me as if you play on the psychological the psychological element of sport yeah you know, like the, the psychological factor of going one nil behind or the psychological fact i mean i just read one of your answers there because it's on the thing but you know to do with tennis like missing like three breaks of serve chances then that's going to sort of play on the mentality of the player Absolutely, and then that can affect the odds in your mind. That can create value. On yeah, because frustration, fair. frustration yeah. does pop up in tennis players. You know, yeah, if they yeah. if it's if it's tight, end of a set, they've wasted four or five breakpoint opportunities. You're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, is he going to think about that the next time yeah. he goes into a service game? And obviously, there's players. Ernest Ernest Gulbis, the Latvian, was a classic for that. I mean, there are players more susceptible to mental lapses than others. But I've always said, you, you, I've seen a lot of tennis players up close and. You look at forehands and backhands up close, it's very hard to differentiate and see who has the best strokes. Um, but who can execute the shot at five all breakpoint down? That's what separates yeah. the elite from the non elite. Yeah. Um, and I play on that heavily because these are just sportsmen. And I think it's too simplistic to say they always give 100% when they go out there. I mean, they look ahead to events. There are certain moments of a season where if they're competing in all trophies, they may just think I'm not going to go quite at it today. It's impossible for a human being, whether you're a doctor, dentist, accountant, to not have bad days. You're going to have bad days. And I, I try and tap into that, I guess, a bit more yeah, than the average person. It's very interesting. Yeah, my, my big sporting passion, well, I love watching boxing on the television, but I never oh, bet yeah, on it. Yeah. I just like it to watch. But like as regards watching a sport to bet on, like if I had to choose one to do like what you do, it would be golf, you know. Mm. But, I might have a look at that next time I'm watching the golf. It's a classic of the boxing, though, Don. I mean, last week yeah. I heard Joshua commentating on a boxing fight about a few months ago. He was at Madison yeah. Square Garden, and he's clearly rattled by this Fury Wilder situation. And he said, yeah. I need to come out, be more exuberant, put on a show. And I think yeah. he completely felt the pressure going into that ring. I'm going to put on a clinic. I want well, to trade. Yeah. I'm going to trade in the pocket with somebody who's got quicker yeah. hands than me. Well, when and, he, yeah, when he went when he went in for the kill like because he knocked uh, Ruiz over didn't he and then he went in too quick and then he got picked and then he got into a slug well, fest yeah and, and why, why is he trading as I say in the yeah. pocket with somebody who's got quicker hands than him and I think yeah, that is definitely. part of the mentality going in there yeah. overlooking the opponent wanting to put on a show for the US audience did, and that, did I have a bit I had a little nibble on Ruiz Good. Um, yeah, once well Joshua's legs never recovered but you know I went in there thinking Joshua was yeah. going to wipe the floor with him don't get me wrong see that's, that's the thought. thing I don't always things develop in play a lot of the time. Yeah. That's why I could never run a tipping service, right? Because I could say, well, I think Netherlands are going to be England, but until I'm watching events unfold, so much happens yeah. in a sporting event. Just give yourself as much time as possible to let the picture. I couldn't like letting the photo develop in front of your eyes. The longer you leave it, the more information you've got. Well, Joshua fights like the case in point, isn't it? Because yeah. it, like, I stayed up to watch it and mm. up until Joshua's knockdown, it was the perfect fight. I mean, he fought against Joseph Parker, like whenever that was, and he, he was a shutout, wasn't it? Mm. That's all he had to do with this guy. He could have shut him out, really. I don't know why he didn't jab on the back foot and just keep yeah. the arm's length. But as, soon as, he, as soon as he put him down, he he went in for the quick kill. Mm. And I, you know, and I know that as soon as someone taps Joshua on the chin or whatever, he starts mm. doing the uh, Frank Bruno style robotics. 
I'm going to try and I'm going to try and reel it back slightly to football index. I'm going to try. Sorry, boys. Yeah, I'm sorry. Gonna try. Sorry, sorry, no, I'll tell you what. This is getting a lot of house on fire here. Right, football index. So, yeah. But it, it's, so, it, it, it's an interesting point. Uh, the, the psychologically, the psychological betting. Yeah. And 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 so you guys both carry out those those same kind of uh, betting background tricks on football index. So Panda, for example, you're you're very much still looking at the the same kind of things. Um, that kind but of. Kind yeah, of uh, let me just quickly say, I guess the skills to try and um, condense my verbose language, um, discipline. So I'm going to identify a player out there, but I'm going to wait for him to drop in price to the price I want to pay. I think he's got a value to him. So I've learned, I guess, in Bet Farewell to be quite disciplined and wait for the right moment. So look for dips on players. Um, and I guess the other thing I bring into it, I've got a bit of a traffic light system. So I'll have um, a kind of red, amber, green. That sounds complicated, but it's not really. I will... I will always have conviction in what I buy. I'm very different to some of the other guys that have been on these podcasts. I won't buy just a handful of players because usually if I'm only buying a handful or I'm only you know, nibbling a bet on Betfair, it doesn't end well for me. It's because my gut doesn't really believe in the situation. So mm. I tend to be a kind of all or nothing. If I believe and I'm going to, you know, and I like a, a player or I like a trade, I'm going to go quite heavy at it. So I've brought that across from Betfair as well. Mm. Yeah. I think for me, football index is more of an evolving story. You know, when I first started doing it, it was Bishop who pointed it out to me uh, to get involved. And at first, I saw it from the match betting point of view. I thought there's no value in that. The, the spreads are there. Uh, how can I like possibly arbit? And you can't. Uh, and the commission's quite hefty at two percent of your, you know, your state. But then that means football index is doing well. So we need we need all that. Uh, but after a while, I thought I was. I started getting dividends. Well, I started on football index in November. 2017 and it was just like a bit of fun at first and I think the, what what happened was in December 2017 uh, the trader of the month award was still going on at that time and I started getting involved in that and all you had to do was buy players uh, to win trade of the month so I started putting my bet fair balance that I used for my uh, betting antics it started going into football index and I started thinking and as I got a bigger balance in football index I started thinking, well, hang on a minute, these dividends that I'm winning are quite good value for what price I'm paying. And I was starting to make quite a good monthly return from dividends. And I thought, well, and then I could see the passion in the product because in February 2018, I went to the London trade and meet with uh, Bishop. We had a look around there and you can see the uh, the passion for the product. You know, everyone's talking about it. They're handing out the volivons left, right and centre. Everyone's drinking uh, Peroni. You think, well there's something happening here it's quite a good uh like and then they start talking about the football index culture that's taken off i mean figure you're doing a great job at providing a weekly uh thing for that to feed into uh so it was just like a, an evolving story and i was getting dragged into it like at first against my will but then after a few months i suppose i was like on the low level side of being obsessed because my football knowledge is quite uh, limited Back in the 1980s, when I was a teenager, into the 90s, I was really keen on football and watching it, and I used to go to matches, but then I just lost interest in my 20s. And then I think, foot, so I do like watching football, but football index has kind of given me that side side of it back. But yeah, it's, it's just a slow evolving story. And then I've been to like three or four trader meets 
and you can just see the like the one in Dublin was a case in point. You know, they had uh, Andy Town, Andy Townsend there. Uh, Gary Newborn was comparing it. Uh, they had Opta Joe, and who else did they have? They had a another. But anyway, and the enthusiasm for the product, you, you just think, well, this thing's going somewhere. So well, I just wanted to really get involved as much as possible, and I have done. Interesting, interesting. Well, I think we've we've spoken about kind of your backgrounds and how the the professional gambling side of things has, has fed into FI. But if there's nothing else that you guys want to mention on that side, Pandra or, or Don, we'll uh, we'll move on to the next question. Next, here we go. Uh, index Profit Hunter question for both. What's your long term plan on the index? Have you got an overall profit goal or time scale limit, or is it very much? a take-it-as-it-comes approach? I think we've both kind of answered that question, but I will let Panda answer it for himself. But like, I'm, I'm similar to Panda's and I don't really have goals as such. I just take it as it comes. I'm letting it evolve. So, I mean, maybe I should have a goal in a long-term approach, but I'm looking at it on a daily basis and then like, hopefully I'll see, like, I can judge it from there. But I don't like to have targets, for instance, uh, I've mentioned him before, but my friend Bishop from Index Gain, he's one of the people that I know is he's really target-driven. He loves to have targets. Let's do this. Let's do that. And that's one point where I usually say, well, I don't really like doing targets. Let's just do it and let's see where we get to. Do you know what I mean? So it's like different, like neither's wrong, but it's just how you are yourself. I've got nothing to add there. So I think we're going to have some debate on a few other questions. So to be honest, I'm not going to rehash your words. I think you worded it quite beautifully. Nice, nice. Uh, the next question is from Football Index Scotland. 0.5 million in those portfolios should be an interesting listen. Very different styles and would like to hear both discuss the reasons and merits for each of their styles. Not one versus the other, both valid and profitable lessons to be learned from each so panda why don't you start and then give us a bit about like why you do what you do and then what you could learn from the don and then we'll go vice versa yeah i don't know how much i can learn from him but we'll see um (laughs) yeah to me i get the strategy of buying um and collecting a lot of stamps um and putting them in a sticker book i do get that um I think of it like um, uh, buying. It's, a... it's more of a Panini sticker album. It's not a stamp collection. It's a <laughs> sticker collection. I'll have that. I'll accept that. I'll, I'll, I'll rescind those words. Yeah, a Panini sticker book. So I do like the idea of getting the shinies, the club badges, collecting them. But I mean, to me, it's like buying um, a FTSE. You know, think about FTSE 100 index tracker fund where you track the market. I think if you are buying a little bit of each of the top 100 companies in the UK, you're gonna. Rise and fall with the FTSE 100. Um, you're going to be on track with the market. I don't think you're going to be able to outperform the market. And I think with my knowledge, um, you know, maybe I'm ignorant, maybe I'm wrong, but I think I can outperform the market. So I'm going to handpick the best companies in the FTSE 100 or the best players on Football Index, and I'm going to invest um, more in those that I believe in. So I think that I can, you know, my profitability, I think, would be up on, on rather than just blanket buying. Um you know, it's a controversial one. This I saw a quote the other day, and, I, and I've got it here. And maybe, but it says great investors um, don't diversify. So di- diversification is protection against ignorance. It makes little sense if you know what you're doing. Now, I think that's worded a bit too strongly. I, I wouldn't advise buying like three or four players, but equally, I wouldn't advise buying you know more than 
I don't know, about 100, because I struggle as well to keep an eye on it. I mean, I've been leaking a little bit of money this week, and I'm kind of struggling to piece together, oh, what asset class is it? Is it, is it my cheap PB players? Is it my IP? So that's my preference. I like to try and outperform the market and handpick my buyers and go a little bit heavier at them. Um, you know, so that, that's my merit. But uh, the downside of it, because there are cons to everything in life, and then I'll obviously hand over to Don. The downside of mine is I'm a little bit heavier in one or two certain players. All it takes is a couple of injuries, misreading the situation, manager changing, being taken off set pieces, and I can suffer, you know, fairly big losses, I guess, big mm. swings. So I'm comfortable with a more volatile approach, and I'll try and attack a bigger return for my money. Yeah, I think. Say if I was your friend, or well, I am your friend, you know, I'm everyone's friend, but if I was to advise you or whatever, then I would say there's nothing wrong with what you said because like, I think your football knowledge will be a lot stronger than mine uh, by nature. Uh, so you, you are doing the right thing, but it comes back to that thing of doing the right thing for yourself. Well, you could, you could argue that maybe I'm not doing the right thing for myself and I could do it better. And, I mean, I do put myself up on Twitter like I'm, but like, the thing is about Twitter. It's a bit you put yourself out there, like to make a name for yourself. And how do you do that? Uh, and I put myself out there, and I'm boastful and brash or whatever. I'm not really like that in real life, but I want to create a sort of aura. Uh, but you know, so I do put myself out there to be shot at. So the likes of Panda and FPL, my old friend, my sparring partner, FPL. God love him. He'll be sat there with his wife, front underpants on now as we speak. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but but the point is, so I would say for Panda, like looking at his, he's doing it exactly the right way for himself. Use your knowledge. He's, he's football index is probably more suited to Panda than the Don because he's bringing over his all that trading experience. He's used to trading sports on Betfair, and I think it's got massive crossover. Uh, like it can cross over because because of his like inherent knowledge of the sport. Well, I haven't really got that, so I've come into it and basically, yeah, I've just built up my stamp collection. But then as I went along, I thought, well, this maybe isn't such a bad thing to do. It's almost as if it's a – because there's so much growth and so much passion about the product and it's growing so much, then it's almost like my portfolio is like a sponge. I've said it on Twitter, but it's like a sponge gathering in all that water, all that. Like if, if I don't have that many players, then I might miss bits of the growth because most of the players go up. A few go, and if I look down my portfolio, a few have gone down, and I could have sold them. You know, I could be much more efficient. However, the ones that like the ones that go up usually go up more than the ones that go down. But obviously, I'm going to have I'm likely going to have to evolve my strategy uh, in future as growth dries up, and then I'm going to. But hopefully, as I go, I'll learn more tricks because it's a bit like when match betting dried up for me. Then I had to learn more tricks of how to make money from other avenues. Well, I might have to apply that sort of to football index. Can you see these tricks already, Don? Can you? Do you have a? I don't expect you to give them away, but do you? Do you have a few little ideas and inklings around a few of the tricks you might bring out? You know, through chats with people or people kind of uh, I'm, saying. I'm seeing little things, but I'm still not putting enough i'm putting as you'd say to me i'm putting too much time in on twitter really i need to start putting a bit more time into looking at the market you know but i was i don't know if this is appropriate for this question but i mean f- football index to me is like a two tier thing it's like one tier you've got the you've got the value sat there of what each individual player should be or whatnot it's like 
uh, is this price and you're going to receive these dividends on that price. So that, they're the rules of the game. And I equate, I said in the last podcast, I equate it to poker. Poker is quite a simple game, simple set of rules, but the psychological element of poker is massive in football indexes, a lot like that. So you've got the rules that are there and are quite complicated compared with poker. So you've got that. And then the psychology or psychological elements, like absolutely massive, you know, and so what, what might appear intrinsic value in a player, uh, it might be way out compared with, and I mean, you can trade the psychology a bit like what you do with your uh, tennis trading. You know, you can, you might not like a player. You might think that uh, the other traders might not like a player, but what happens if, other traders beyond that like a player you can trade on them agree yeah that that's a bit of a sticking point if i usually when i trade on betfair sports uh if i make a trade on a tennis player i have to believe he's going to go on to win the match it's a bit it's, it's a bit of an um, unusual quirk that but i like to believe they can go all the way so i'm not just trading for them to take that break point or for them to kind of hold um on a football index i started off by buying players that i believe in that are you know of high quality um, and actually, the players I talk about on Twitter, I do believe they are high quality. But in the background, some of my buyers, I don't believe in them. I wouldn't actually mm. post them socially. But um, yeah. I don't believe in them. But what I do believe is that there's going to be attention on them or others are going to buy incorrectly because I don't believe that everyone knows exactly what they're doing out there. Um, so, it. you know, there, that is, there is the element to it. In, yeah. And in poker, you can, win, you can win a big pot with a crap hand. Yeah, two, three off suit. Yeah. Or... You know, bluffs a big can be a big element. You know, so I, I do see the parallels between sort of poker and football. I think, my, I think you've actually answered this honestly, Don. My my point with you, I think, on Twitter has always been, yeah. you're doing phenomenally well, and uh, there's, there's there's no two ways about it. But could you be slightly more efficient in using your money? So if there was a player that you believed was on the rise and had no reason to slow down and was going to continue to rise quite dramatically. Would you not then, you know, top up that player halfway along the journey uh, before getting to that thousand pound, a thousand percent profit screen? That that was kind of yeah, where I think we we crossed over and begun interacting. Yeah, yeah that was it. Yeah, I think I've probably done one of them boast tweets like with a thousand, like maybe Jovic with two thousand percent profit, and then people say like you should have been topping up as you go. But then maybe I've been topping up on other people that have gone up quite oh, a lot. And then and, and then like, like Messi, that then who do you? Who do you top up on? Who's the next person to top up on? But yeah. like, the thing is, I wouldn't dispute that, yes, I could be much more efficient. Mm. With, but then I can I can almost like do a bit of selling now because I've got a I've got a big portfolio. I can choose who to sell now. So I can play football index in reverse. Now rather than thinking who do I buy, I can like have a big look at like who do I sell. So I can almost lay the market rather than buy the market. If you know what I mean. It becomes another gives me another option. Mm. But I would I wouldn't dispute that my way isn't the most efficient way. No, no, I, I guess I only piped up to say that back then because yeah. there's new users on there. And I think it's interesting. To, I mean, you're a massive character. I find you actually pretty funny. You've got quite a good sense of humour. But, um, <laughs> you know, new users will see certain tweets and see things. And it was just to try yeah, and get right, some balance yeah. back in the day yeah. that there are other yeah. ways, you know, maybe a top up here or there. Maybe some players aren't the god that. So that was all it was about. Yeah. Just put some uh, other thoughts out there, but not attacking you in any way. That wasn't the intention. Twitter's like such a. It's toxic. It's, it's toxic, yeah. But it's good. I'm seeing the value of it. I, I, I was thinking because obviously loads of things go through your mind for these podcasts, like what am I going to say? And then you forget half the stuff. But one of the things was it's a bit like 
if you're going out in your car down the motorway and someone does you wrong, like you usually uh, gesticulate at them or whatever. Everyone's like a, a like a warrior in the car, aren't they? You can't speak to each other, so they, like you people like wave at each other in a nasty way, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but, like if I go to the supermarket now with my trolley and bash into someone, it would be like, oh, sorry, sorry, you know, like, no, after you, after you, you know, you're mm. first. Everyone's really polite to each other because then they can talk to each other. Mm. But on Twitter, like, oh. we're, all, we're all keyboard warriors, aren't we? Like, we're, so, we're all omnipotent, omni, or I think that's the word, isn't yeah. it? All powering behind these what laptops and keyboards. Cause <laughs> yeah. And if yeah. someone, if you disagree with someone, like, oh, what a arsehole he is <laughs> so like so it's a bit like that and it's quite good fun really but you like you, i saw your list this week of uh your i, I would call it brain yeah. trust or top i mean brilliant yeah. brilliant so i've started uh yeah. you know i've had a little i've had a little, little look myself done so yeah the pad has got a little bit to learn from those guys yavi's the man you know yavi yavi, yavi, from, yavi from i think he's iranian but lives in london mm. but I mean, he's what a character he is. But I mean, he, he, he's on the Don's council, is he? He's kind of got the got, got, got the got the Don's ear. He's on the council. Well, well, he direct messaged me like last, like maybe twelve months ago. Or, been or, cut, or, actually. Or, or longer. He, he direct messaged me and like I'm pleased I got on got on like the right side of him straight away because because he is quite a, yeah, a yeah. character. You know, he, he is a keyboard warrior. That's not. Mince our words, but uh, it did give me. It did give me Virgil Van Dyke back in the day. So he's, he's he knows his he knows his onions. Every blind squirrel finds a nut, as they say. Yeah, that's it. But, <laughs> yeah. Let's get this straight. The, the information you get on Twitter, there are some accounts that they, they are they are brilliant, but some of them get a bad name. I mean, I, I will name a name. And, and Jay Hall, I write, I read his tweet tweets, and he. he, he he tweets some gems, you know, like really good stuff. And he, he I've asked him questions. I asked him the other week about uh, Gwen Doozy at Arsenal because I know he's an Arsenal fan. And he, he replied. And, you know, you can get some really great information on Twitter, even from people that you think are a bit sort of controversial, let's say. <laughs> so you've got to sort of – there's a lot of great information on Twitter and you can get a lot of great information, but you've got to sort out the wheat from the chaff because mm. there's a lot of uh, what we'll call bullshit as well. <laughs> well we'll move on to the next question because i think we've we've hovered on this one for a while uh football index focus and this is again talking a little bit about strategy uh don do you ever do you have a plan to condense your portfolio in the near future or you continue with your current approach long term and then there's a question for panda if you only had 500 pounds to invest how would you invest it and why so don why don't you have uh, go ahead first yeah i haven't got any plans to condense my portfolio as yet now what I do is when I need some money out at the minute, I just skim off the top of a load of players and then withdraw money, which I shouldn't do, but that goes back to the over-depositing, getting too much money in too soon. So I occasionally have to not condense, but skim off the top of a load of players who I think, but in the future, you never know like what, what will happen in the long term. I might have to condense it down a bit as the uh, growth in the index slows up. But uh, You were left to done. Yeah, yeah, I will have to. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, because yeah, in the future I will have not to. For a few years, maybe. But yeah, but when will that time be? Like, yeah, it's it could be that. years. I wouldn't worry. Yeah. I wouldn't go sleep over it yet. Yeah, so that's who knows. But I, like, as I say, it goes back to that thing. Like when I started football index, I thought, "What's this?" And then it, it's just evolved. So I'm just going to keep letting it evolve, and then like, I'm going to have to make some good decisions along the way. 
I like it. Yeah, five hundred pounds to invest. I mean, I actually missed this question, but I thought about it in the last sixty seconds. Um, probably two hundred pounds, so forty percent on. Um, I guess what I'd call proven dividend winners. Um, probably a hundred pounds. So that's what twenty percent in quality youth um, that I think have got a kind of direct pathway to dividends. I'll probably go a hundred pounds as well. Another twenty percent. Um, in assets or players, I'm trying to think how to word this, in teams where I think there's going to be a performance boost the next year. So, you know, Spurs, when Dembele went from Spurs, I thought Ericsson struggled heavily. Um, so if they can get a good, uh, you know, central midfielder in, a couple of good flying fullbacks, maybe Spurs assets or something around there with 100. So a team that's going to improve. And then biggest, biggest tip here, always keep cash to react. So if I had 500 to invest, 100 would be kept behind because... I like to be able to react. Yeah, that suits your style. But I'm I'm really bad at keeping cash in my uh, balance. If it's in the balance, it's it's going to get spent pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask you a quick question now? Just that I thought. Hey, me or Fig? Uh, you, Panda. Oh, right, and, yeah. and Fig. He's, <laughs> cool. he's, a, he's good at football as well. But what, <laughs> I watched uh, Leicester against Man City the other week. I sat yeah. down, had my tea or whatever. Oh, and yeah. I watched it. I was really impressed. Like I know Man City won in yeah. the end 1 0. It was the company, yeah, the goal, company. wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Leicester looked really good. You know, Harry Maguire from the back, he did that run, didn't he, where he was like fell over at the end through exhaustion. But I mean, I thought the like Tielemans, mm. uh, some of their players look really good. I'm not trying to like tip, it's just like general conversation. I that's exactly the point I made, I guess, around if Spurs can get a central midfielder in to get the best out of Ericsson. Someone like Leicester, yeah. once Rogers went in there, you know, that's a case in point. That's why this is also transient and PB and data. You've got to take a bit of a pinch of salt. Things can change very quickly. So with Leicester, I love them under Rogers. I think they look, like, you know, more free flowing. I think it's brought the best yeah. out of Vardy. So there's players there that I'm thinking for next season. Yeah, they might be good yeah. buyers. So if they're that, watching it, someone said on someone said on Twitter that they look really strong for next season. Depends if they if they can keep all their players. To be honest, there's big links to obviously Maguire, as you mentioned, and and Chilwell. Will Tielemans stay? Suddenly, if you take those three players out their lineup, that's a completely different team. To your point, you've got to you've got to change your perspective on them. Spot on, and that's the risk reward, I guess, of my strategy. So you can cut this out or leave it in. But you know, I've gone fairly big on Vardy uh, because I I like the supply line and service he's got. I like how he finished the season. I expect Rogers to kind of continue that success. But if some transfers change and you know players leave all of a sudden that 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 picture changes in front of my eyes so i may have yeah. to react so you and know one of the players that stood out in that game was uh for me chowdhury mm. like a good young player mm. like really uh puts a lot of effort in i mean i don't know what you think of him but i'm not like we're not trying to uh sell but it's just like to mention mm. like young players but again, but again, you talk about a player who who played very well with uh, NDD and Tielemans in that game. Should one of those two leave, then does he does he become better because he plays more, or does he become worse because he has less support around him? It's it's so much to consider, isn't there, with every every single player? There are so many variables and factors. It's so hard to value these players. I mean, yeah. well, Delict just on the point here. Delict, um, I might argue. Look, he has a price, but price is different to the intrinsic value of the asset. And, you know, Delict has maybe 14 or 15 years at the very highest level to earn dividends. Obviously, you need to recycle every three years and pay a 2% commission. Um, Maybe when Messi leaves Barcelona, uh, United might be on the up or, you know, he might come to England. How do you price that in? It's very difficult to, you know, price these players over their whole career. So... One of the big things, the way I think of it, is the start off at IPO or whatever it is, at whatever low price it is. And at some point in their career, they're going to peak at a price, whatever it is, five pounds. 
And then, but every single asset on Football Index, I know we're going to come on to this in a minute, they're going to end up at zero, aren't they? So, this is the difference. To the... Every, every individual player, right? Yeah. Like everyone goes on about pyramid schemes, and Football Index isn't a pyramid scheme because they've got a good uh, dividend structure, they've got good, a good payout, and it's a good game. Yeah. But, uh, what was my point? Every Trends every, to zero. That's the one yeah, thing every, 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 said that he made uh, sense. So every single every single player is like a pyramid scheme. They're going to start, go up, peak, or maybe not, yeah. and then they're going to end up at zero at some point. And that that point might not necessarily be when they're age thirty six, thirty seven. It could be. Yeah, when I mean, I've been, ham- I've been hammered on social media for this really because obviously the yeah. depreciation and. Well, that 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 goes well, very well into our next question from Frank the Tank. I'll, I'll, I might as well ask it as I think you were about to to go into it anyway. Panda, big fan of both of you guys. Just wondering what you think of Messi as a whole because you guys are on either side of this, right? He's just thrown a right grenade in there, hasn't he? Oh, Frank, <laughs> we, we were getting on so well. Frank's come yeah. in here, the tank. Frank the Tank, he's just launched a grenade out of that turret and it's just exploded right <laughs> in the middle of the podcast. He's just laughing, isn't he? He's laughing. Behind, yeah. yeah, he's tucked up behind the armor. Mm. Yeah, anyway, no. But it, it it goes back to that point. I mean, I have to agree that, uh, well, I've, I've just said every player's going to end up at zero. Messi's going to end up at zero. But he's, he's one of them players that he just seems to have been around forever. But he's he's 30, well, he's nearly 32 now, isn't he? And he's he's not, in, he's certainly not declining. No, uh, no, he's best season, one of his best seasons, I agree. Yeah. But, I don't think we were wildly out. You know, I, again, I got a bit of stick on, on social media for my messy points. And I wasn't, you know, I don't. I had him, I think, at the time around four pounds thirty. I think he's five ten, five twenty. You know, it's a bit of a pound yeah. out in my valuing of him. But um... I think one of the things on Twitter is you have to be extreme, don't you? If you sit on the fence, you're not going to get any like airtime. But if you get any action, yeah, any action. So like, once I decided I like Messi, then I like Messi. Mm. You know, but I must admit, gone. But when he when he scored that free kick against uh, Liverpool the other week, when they hit the back of the net, I was like, oh god, let me like let me get on Twitter quick now. <laughs> yeah, you got, got you barbed me on that. I remember. But the thing is, uh, you the youth bubble. There's an obsession with crashing youth, and yeah. I think youth deserves a premium price tag. We know we won't make it, and maybe there's a bit of a bubble. But let's leave that kind of to one side. It's not the question. I find continually promoting Messi as a hold and and almost you know head in the clouds, not considering depreciation, not being aware that injuries at that age to a player have a bigger impact on the price you know if you're a new user you come on the best player in the world is Messi. you're going to buy him when he drops there's going to be new users that don't quite understand that and they're thinking why is he going to drop that may turn users off the platform so i really felt it was valuable to kind of try and offer a different perspective on you know depreciation why players are trending to zero because it's not healthy for me that you may have a three pound 50 Messi at 35 years old he probably wouldn't be and he drops to zero the next day and it's fastest finger first to get out Mm. you know so it was trying to bring that line of thinking in how you want to price him that's you know look, I, I can't argue one way or the other but for me um yeah his best season ever i think i, I looked at i got this up obviously probably doesn't surprise you i think one pounds 28 dividends over the last year so four yeah. excellent seasons if you can have another four in him um which i find hard to believe it gives you five pounds 12 you know would he be nil at the end of that i don't know he's four pounds yeah. 81 now so you're going to collect five pounds dividends you're paying yeah. four pounds 81 for him today kind of nil gain nil loss i don't really see so you could put your, so what your point is you could uh, you'd be much better off putting your like that money somewhere else and you're gonna get like loads more growth like well, if you put in someone like Jovic like and he's gonna go up yeah, by it's, it's it's risky but I think with Messi yeah. I know what I'm gonna get the data's out there 
on his yeah. a very good season will give you one pound twenty eight. I think if you take the four pounds eighty one out of Messi, you put it into someone that you believe is going to kind of appreciate or or get more airtime or media yeah. focus, then I think you can get better returns. It maybe but, goes back to the uh, the old like thing about well, what what type of trader you are. You know, if you've yeah. got like a diverse portfolio, not necessarily to big Don's level, but uh, like diverse in the sense that you can accommodate Messi. Maybe he's not the first buy. Like that you want to make, but he's going to give you a good run for your money. He's going to give you interest every he's, week. Yeah, and that's the thing. When you do the pricing models, I did. I was a bit simplistic there. He's going to give you a lot of dividends over year one. You can invest those dividends into younger players and pick yeah. up, obviously, some capital appreciation. The other side of the coin is the dividends you're collecting on year three of your hold, they're worth intrinsically less because of inflation. And obviously, yeah. you discount that mm. back. That's kind of another thing. So to me, it's... It's a no buy, but yeah. again, if you enjoy the game, you enjoy watching Messi. He's going to keep you winning dividends. Best player in the world, you know. Good luck to you. I'm just going to add one thing to this conversation. I think, uh, Panda, you talked about how not necessarily, you know, that there should be a, a premium on some youth assets. Those I think that you're you're alluding to are the ones that have the most clear path to dividends, but some absolutely don't and I find it really hard to disassociate the Messi conversation with those players because I think there's too many of those players that have been kind of labeled as players that should be bought because they're going to go up but why will they go up if there's no clear path to dividends and I think that you know will would Messi have gone up in in more would Messi have gone up more in certain circumstances if we didn't have that kind of attitude towards some of those youth assets, perhaps? And I find it really hard to, to uh, dis- not distinguish, but disassociate, as I mentioned before, those two conversations because they're they're very linked. You know, the, the whole, uh, you know, Messi will be zero in however many years. I think... You know, you only have to look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the index, who was seven pounds or whatever, with only five p's worth of dividends on offer. It, it's it's hard to to think about that, and then what the index has has come to now with with Messi at his price. I, I'm not saying he should be worth more or or less, but I think that the way the market has behaved in the past and the way the market behaves now with some of those assets that will never ever yield dividends and there are a lot of silly people out there that say, oh, well, you know, he doesn't have to win dividends. But then there's nonsense because therefore he's he's just a virtual match attack, um, which is nutty to think. So I, I just wanted to ask you about, um, you know, w- what you think that the link is there between uh, Panda, between those kind of players and the likes of Messi and Ronaldo, for example. Well, it's, it's hard because the youth players are shrouded in mystery. It's mm. very... I can accurately, I feel pretty confident in my valuation of Messi because I've got 13 years of his career to go on. I've pretty much seen most of his games and I, you know, like it, there's more information out there. It's very hard. I think we can say uh, a lot of these youth players probably won't ever return a dividend to, to match their price and give you a decent yield. But I guess the beauty is picking the right ones. I don't mm. I mean, that's kind of, they are, a lot of them are overinflated. Um, but I don't quite see how it's linked. I mean, just because Zlatan was seven pounds and had five p of dividends doesn't mean it was right. I mean, the, the platform's matured now. I think people mm. are cottoning on to this fact that you need a yield. And um, it's, so you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Don, any thoughts? Yeah, and the other thing to add to it is like a lot of the players are interlinked. Like what happened to Ronaldo, Messi, 
you know, Neymar last week. Like people remember like the Zlatan instance. So it's all all these factors and people's experiences mm. do contribute. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you said, if Don said to me, I, I firmly believe Messi's going to play till 38, you know, out, out one more year than Quagliarella or whatever. And um, there's no reason he can't. If you, that's a valid argument to me to buy Messi. He's, you think he's, you think he's going to offer seven years of good dividend returns. Yeah. He's a fantastic buy. I kind of am going more with general consensus of ageing and profiling of footballers. I yeah. think he'll slow down. But... I think he's quite an efficient footballer, isn't he? Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. No, I'd say the best footballer I've ever seen and the best footballer on the planet and amazing dividend returns. It's just the yeah. point of is his price drops going to just net off against the dividends and are, are you going to be better serving the money elsewhere? But, yeah. you know, each their own. All right. Well, one of the beauties about football index is no one really knows. You know, time will tell. I mean, do the factor to bring in and I know Adam Cole said there's not going to be any dividend r- rises but he's never going to say that is he mm-hmm. if there's a future dividend rise it'll probably come at us quite quickly you know it'll be like there's going to be an announcement next week mm-hmm. and then it'll come they're not going to actually say oh yeah we're going to increase dividends in three months time but then say if in two or three months time they did like there's been massive growth in the index and then they decide well we'll make it true single double treble days and then that that obviously would give Messi a bit more. But it would also uh, give other players more as well, yeah. you know, who are yeah. younger and still can match his dividends. Yeah, that's a good so there'll, there'll always be another option out there. Yeah. Mm. So, but the, the, the whole thing is no one really knows until it happens and then it's too late anyway. So it's all like we have these Twitter arguments and then you take one side or the other. But I mean, like who's going to be right in the end? Like in four years' time, we'll look back and Time will tell. We'll have to we'll we'll have to get back on the podcast in four years and then talk about it, right? Um, probably in person would be would be better. Uh, maybe 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 into the first vidcast fight night or whatever. Uh, a qu- question from uh, Football Index Scotland. Uh, Panda, get some more big tra- sports trading accounts over. It's about time. Don, any types of players you tend to avoid? Uh, my question was first. I think it was a statement. It wasn't really a question. So, and I don't really know other, any other big sports trading accounts. I have a, I have a school uh, schoolhood friend that I we literally sometimes leave the phone running all day and we we'll watch tennis or cricket together. It sounds quite sad because I think it's useful to bounce ideas off someone. But he won't come over to FI. So I don't know anyone. I'm afraid I can't bring it. Is, is there is there any reason for that? Uh, I was just the reason why I put this question in. I thought it was really interesting to talk about. We always talk about uh, kind of sport. Uh, like more traditional stock traders or FX traders, whatever, and why they're put off FI and, and they don't want to bring up some of their uh, hard-earned money over to Football Index. But what about big, yeah, sports trading accounts that you've talked to? Just, I think he, he wants to be in and out quicker. So he's a very different... I'm Although it sounds quick trading what I do on Betfair, it, it's not as quick as it can be. Like some guys are doing it point by point, like extra quick. And he's someone that likes to be in and out within a point or two. FI is you know, a bit of a medium term game for me. I mean, I'm not one of these fastest finger first to transfer news. I don't day trade. So I didn't get on Ronaldo the other day, which I was quite annoyed about. Um, so he won't come over because his preference and what he enjoys doing doesn't really fit with FI, especially without an order book and, you know, great liquidity. Um, it actually does sound like football index suits your trading style to me from what I've picked up. It know. does. It, it's, yeah. I got better and better at it over the months. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I'd say is um, this isn't an investment platform. I think when I think about the stock markets and the traders out there, 
the the the, the market capitalization of these companies is generally going up. You know, the FTSE 100 trends up over the last what, since 1984. Um, if you didn't have dividend increases, you added up all the value of the midfielders on the platform. It's a finite value because it's only so many dividends that you pay out, so it has to be capped. So this is a game. This is a gambling platform to me. So. I don't know why big financial traders, I mean, why would they come and do this when they're doing, you know, their other world? That's what I think confused me with ASP and his viewpoints. You know, he wanted to turn this into a kind of a sophisticated investment platform with, with huge trading. And I don't think it, it, it can be that. But mm. uh, yeah. you know. To me, football index, I just thought about it. It's, it's a bit like putting a bet on at the bookies, albeit it's a long-term bet. So it gives it value over time. And then with them bets, you're actually trading with others. And that's that's the that's the unique thing that football index has got over traditional betting accounts because you put your bet on at Labrooks for Saturday, it's going to be over and done with. Put your bet on at football index as well as it lasting for three years, you've got the fun of trading with that bet. So if if I don't know if the bookies could do that, so you put your bet on for Man United this Saturday, and then you could trade with that bet over time. Say if it's a season bet for them to win the league, well obviously it's going to gain value and decrease in value over the season. So that would be the the equivalent. A point for Fig, actually, I heard on a podcast a couple of weeks ago <laughs> talking about whether the gambling company would buy this out. And I think a point, I, I spoke to somebody fairly uh, high up in the, um, one of the bookmakers in their M&A team and uh, mergers and acquisitions. And he said a lot of the users, um, they've already got, you know, if you've got an FI account, most of the users have gambling accounts. And there is there, mm. a bit of a lack of synergy in terms of, you know, how they'd operate it. It would probably impact their own markets. Um, yeah. And yeah. they don't have a, a risk team. You know, there's hundreds of football traders at these bookmakers who are setting the prices. I don't think they're very talented, but that's another, another day. Um, you, you know, never... I don't think they would be able to price these players. Yeah. They, so I, I don't think the synergy is there. So I'm not sure whether it will be bought. But... I, I agree with I agree with that, but you can never say never. It's like no, we, no. We, we go back to Betfair being from in the internet. I bet bookmakers used to always win at betting. It used to be the bookmaker always wins. You never see a poor bookmaker, all them sayings. And since the advent of the internet and Betfair exchange coming along, that's changed. You, obviously, you can beat the you can beat the bootmaker. Now what happened with Betfair Exchange, they started off as the exchange, as we all know, and then once they realised, hang on a minute, this is good, but we need to have a sports book to go with it so we can make some of that money too. So Betfair introduced the sports book, didn't they, about That's a right. decade ago? Yeah. Which was quite controversial at the time because it sort of went against their ethos. Mm. But when there's money involved, you'll soon change your uh, ethos to suit. Correct. But that's by the by, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think football index is a unique enough product that uh, it's. I agree with what Panda said, but you know they can change things over time. They've got to be very careful how they develop because everyone loves football index at the minute, especially us three and everyone that's listening. We all, it's great, but they've really got to develop so carefully. It's so yeah, my, be so my, easy to get wrong. My worry, Don, is when this becomes a little bit trickier. How many people are going to have the patience and the stomach for it? Mm. Used to big gains, I think. I don't know the stats. Yeah. Is it eight? I've figured. I know. I heard somewhere eighty percent at the moment are winning long term. And um, you compare that to Betfair in the world that Don and I come from. That's only too arrogant. I mean, it's under one percent. I think. Um, yeah. So a big difference in in difficulty levels. Um, so that worries me a bit. How many people are going to? So they've got to be careful with. Well, it's going to be more and more. Zlatan, like Fig said about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, yeah, that's the... going to happen more and more. Like so, okay we'll say Messi or whoever, when they're on the downward trend to zero, it's going to be getting off, who's getting off first, who's getting off mm. first, and then someone's going to be left holding the ticket. Yeah, I think I think it's, 
whether or not FI have to do something on their side, whether it's an educational standpoint to try and ready people for slowing returns because at the moment you know you guys might not set targets but in your head you're saying right if i can make 30 50 60 70 percent this year that's a good year right when in reality people who are professional sports betters you're looking at like uh i don't know you can guys can correct me like 10 plus percent is a is a decent year right that could be yeah yeah, and, and the stock market on average returns, I think, is it 7.2%? So it compounds, yeah. you double your money every 12.4 years. So, um, yeah, 30%, 50%, whatever we're getting now. I mean, people out there excess, in excess of 100% ROI, it's madness, isn't it? That, that mm. One day, the appetite, the understanding around that is going to have to change. But obviously, we, we take that risk at the moment. It's a fairly new company. That's why. I kind of, yeah, there's that risk of it being a new company. We're all early comparatively early adopters but i do look at them prices and like although them prices are there and they look nice it, that sell price is only available to the first few sellers you know in a if, if there's going to be a selling spree so like it's it's not there for everyone that price like if everyone cashed in now we're not all going to get the price that's displayed it'd be another northern rock wouldn't it <laughs> <Go Yeah. on. laughs> so but so you've always got to like we're all really positive about it but yeah you've, yeah you've always got to keep a, a sort of neutral viewpoint yeah. on it radio uh, and on that kind of long-term view of football index action magpie has a question here where do you think football index will be in five years time both actual and optimistic expectations and do you think would have reached a max market cap by that point. Oh, I would like to see it embedded in Europe. So some of the major leagues. Um, I love the idea of a kind of glamorous, sophisticated um, MB system. So I find it quite exciting that Delitz uh, top at the moment and cream, you know, creaming all those dividends because he's the highest rated young centre back in Europe. It makes sense to me. And I, I think if you brought in the papers from the different leagues mm. and had a bit more of a sophisticated MB system, I think that would be great. It would enhance knowledge. Your football knowledge goes up. You kind of think who are the big you know, stars coming through. Yeah. So an enhanced MB system. I really like the idea of that. Having it embedded in the European countries. I think it's really underrated, isn't it? Uh not not underrated but underspoken about people always talk about fixing the pb metric uh, matrix but the mb matrix is is just as broken if not more broken we've got this it's got this arbitrary uh sentiment scoring system which is just made by some random danish guy uh the the, the papers that are picked up there's 15 of them one of them is like sport 365 or whatever surely there's more uh higher caliber papers in the uk that they could have picked and and also having those papers from the other four top five leagues i think is is really important long term yeah i'm excited i mean i we were a little bit maybe slightly negative on the question before but i I think this platform will go from absolutely strength to strength otherwise don and i probably wouldn't have you know six hundred thousand combined in the platform so we believe in it i think i can talk for don on that but so i believe in this fully but yeah i'd love to see a new uh, media buzz system um i'd like to see it in europe um pb i i like it as it is but i'm happy if they want to tweak it and give me a dividend increase at the same time to soften the blow um nasdaq order book will be there i think in five years time we'll have had two more rounds of dividend increases um and i think don and i might be left <laughs> oh, I, th- I think this has gone well yeah uh, yeah it's gone too well uh no i i agree with everything pandas said there about five years time it's hard to predict really i mean it's just like as i've kept saying it's a slow evolving story but one thing i will say about the media buzz i think it's really vital to keep it because that's like i think that's the glue that holds the continuity together 
you know, if you just have football, waiting for fo- football matches, like there's that, so many down days. Yeah, ma- so, ma- massive appeal 365 for me. And it's exciting thinking who's going to be in the news, who's the next big star that's going to be linked with a transfer and who's going to get media yeah. coverage, who's going to be on the podcast, who's people going to be talking about. I like the continuity of it. Yeah. It, like even on Christmas Day, there's like oh. like it's still football index is still in your life. Well, no, 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 longer, no longer do I have to trade India Pakistan on Christmas Day. I can uh, you know I can look at the media buzz yeah. charts. So it's just that fact. That I think media buzz just makes it football index just makes it like what you said three. It makes it like three hundred and sixty five days a year. It's mm. constantly there. If you took that away, then it'd be more stop start stop start like uh, like void void days where football index wasn't really relevant, and then you'd you'd have your downtime. So it's vital to keep media buzz and like to go back to Fig's point, like make that better, make it more robust, get some better feeds in. So it's more fair, more relevant to football. Uh, If you want to expand into other territories, then incorporate them into that somehow. I don't know. Mm. I'm like, I sit at the restaurant and let the food come to me, uh, (laughs) style trader. But, and then as regards the scoring matrix, I've always said, I'd love, I love it as it is. I love a Saturday afternoon and I love the goal, the game winning goal aspect where it can all change. It's quite exciting, but fair enough. If you want to tweak it to make it better, to fit in better, then that's fine, but don't change the bet like too much. Mm -hmm. And if it, and if it is done, I think it does need to coincide with some sort of deposit bonus or a dividend increase, doesn't it? I think you hit the nail on the head there. If they just changed it, I wouldn't be best pleased. But if they demonstrated, like they did with opening up the squad, this is the impact to you. There's going to be a small tweak in dividend increase. They they can massage and soften the blow. Yeah. Uh, mm. And if it's for the good of the community and the growth of the platform, you I don't think you'll find big traders too upset. Mm. Rodio, uh, next question from the FI investor who was uh, wonderful on the podcast a few weeks ago. If you guys haven't listened to that, please do so uh he said at fig at the don and panda you get to be ceo of football index for seven days day one you're setting out the top two business objectives for the season uh 2019-20 what are your two main business priorities oh, i've just thought of something because i wasn't gonna have an answer for that but i think the main priority is just getting things right you know uh like paying out on the correct players each day, you know, for PB, like they've had a few issues, haven't they? There was the trip. Like, I know it's been mentioned before, but the just getting things right, not having the triple deposit sagas, getting the technology like correct, and making the user experience as good as it can be. So it's not all about the money; it's about how football index operate on a day to day basis and make the user experience good. You know, if you get your, you want your dividends on time, you know, the bets paid on time. They do. They do ninety nine percent of things well so i'd like to see them just get that other one percent right you know like and then roll out uh, the in-play dividends which are great so like i think everyone agrees that they need to be kept because they give more day-to-day action on the markets too but then i think adam cole said something about you get a notification on your phone and things like that and and so things like that i don't know how they do it but it's all going to enhance their user experience to make it even better i um yeah, I agree with Don. Actually, I wouldn't focus too object. I wouldn't go massively for growth. I would try and get a tight technical platform mm. that you know had accurate payouts. Um, get the get the building blocks at the foundation of the house built, and then go and build your windows and put your roof on and yeah, you know, put your pebble yeah. dashing on. I mean, I've got here Adrian Gonz- Adrian Gonzalez, who I know from the LA Dodge. 
LA Dodgers baseball player. You know, he's still a first baseman in his biography on Football Index. So there's, there's, there's many wins um, that, you know, you can just clean it up overall and just make it a little bit more polished. Yeah. So I would, I, would, I would focus on that. I think uh, if they get it right, the growth will look after itself. Right? Like, as we've seen, I mean, it's just like, I'm going to go to the next trade and meet wherever it may be. They haven't announced it. I'm oh. sure it'll come soon, but I'm sure it'll be even more uh, rocking than the last one. Do you remember that the last one? You were there, Fig. I saw you. It was at the uh, Nordic bar, wasn't it? It was like rammed. You couldn't you couldn't swing a cat. It was, wasn't it? Uh, it was uh, It was almost too tight, wasn't it? <laughs> I was looking around. I was thinking, it's all part of research, really, but like you go to these things and like you're thinking, like, like yeah, this thing is really taking off. You know, if... If it wasn't going to be taken off, then you'd go to the Nordic bar and you'd be, <clears throat> be like six other people there. You'd be like, are you here for the football index trader meet? And, but it's not like that. It's, it's really these trader meets. I recommend the next trader meet people go to it. Okay, I'll come along. I'll break bread yeah. with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Share of Olivant. Share of Olivant, yeah. Rightio. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next question. Uh, FI underscore FPL addict, uh, Chris, who's been on the podcast before and was very good. Were you surprised by Football Index saying 50% of the sales are via instant sale? And do you think Football Index increased dividends to make single, double and triple game days? Just that again at the start of the season. I've been a big advocate of that double, the single, double, triple game days could do with being proper like like single double triple so you've got your uh, 2p 4p 6p i can't help thinking that they've just let a little bit of wiggle room so they can move into that they've, they've thought like we're gonna have the share split we're gonna increase the dividends by 27 percent, was it uh but we're just gonna hold a little bit back because we're not quite sure of the growth and how it's going to go but i think since then the growth's been so good look i mean it must be from their point of view uh that I think maybe at the start of the season or at some opportune moment that they'll uh, go to that single, double, triple day. So it'll be 2p, 4p, 6p uh, and 1, 2, 3p for Starman. And then that'll be brilliant. Uh, and as for, where was that said at the 50% sales of IS? Was that on the podcast, on Football Index's podcast or one of their videos? It was on the video, wasn't it? I it was think. on the video. I didn't see it. I was looking for it. I couldn't see it. But I mean... I mean, it's brilliant if they're making money from instant selling. I mean, that's their that's their juice, you know. So the more juice that they get from fifty percent from instant sales, like the better the product can become. The more the the more future it's got. So I I was surprised because fifty percent's massive. But I mean, I think Panda, you said something about you know these transfer markets that we see from Skybet for footballers, and then they miss out the the main selection on a transfer market is stay at present club because that's usually more likely. Yeah, and well, it's, a, it's a misnomer as well that yeah. these odds tell you what's going to happen. I mean, all yeah. they're doing is balancing the amount of money. To so I, I, I calculated on one of them, I think it was, I can't even remember who it was, say it was Delit, and I, I calculated it was 48% payout from the bookies, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you so go. that's pretty bang on the 50% that Football Index are getting from an instant sell. So, I mean, it's great for them. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me, the uh, 50% IS, because people panic. I don't think there's any two ways about it. People are a bit uh, trigger-happy. And um, the single, double, triple... I had a chance to talk to uh, Batman this week, FI Bruce Wayne, asked him a question when he thinks it's going to happen just randomly. Nice to get a chance to talk to the uh, the Gotham City man. And 
I I agree with him. I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge, but it's all about opinions. And uh, I think they'll do it this time next year because I think they'll have a little boost going into the Euros. And I think they'll use it to the media madness to kind of yeah. give a jump start to the season after next. So I think they've got a couple yeah. of bullets up there at the chamber. The, and I think it will happen, but yeah. not for a while. That's a fair point. One of the problems that they have got, what I've noticed, is as soon as they do something, like whether it be the 28% dividend increase, that that becomes the norm, doesn't it? Everyone says that's how it's. All. It's as if everyone thinks it's been like that forever. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's why they can't say, "All right, we're going to raise dividends at Christmas," because then everyone that that becomes the norm. So they have to. You've got to be really careful how they introduce things. Can I ask mm. you, Fig? When when oh, you're not comfortable saying when do you sure. think we'll see the two four six? And you can say no comment, obviously, if need be. I have no idea. I like. I really don't understand why it wasn't done off on the off. Um, I I think it would be quite underwhelming if the two four six was just done as a as a singular event. I think they should just do it ASAP. To be honest, though, and then I think um, for me personally, longer term, you have to make PB a priority. But in my head, I'm thinking, okay, so if they need to make MB as good as it it can be, and as we discussed, Panda, you know, introducing those other outlets and and tweaking the scoring sentiment so that, you know, arbitrary words aren't worth more than others, then I think there's going to be an MB increase, which then means you need to increase PB kind of double or triple to make uh, MB watered down, if if that makes sense. Um, So I think longer term... We're going to probably, you said we'll probably see two dividend increases in the next five years. I think we'll probably see two dividend increases just to adjust, you know, the PB scoring matrix and the MB scoring matrix uh, alone. Uh, And then I think we'll see two separate ones, perhaps, that are going to be just in line with the growth of the platform. platform. I I kind of meant the two as pure growth kind of adjusters. But yeah, the the kind of uh, increases to soften communications then yeah you you might have another couple of those so you might be looking mm. for grand total yeah yeah I, i'm with you it's a good point yeah. they've got to be so careful haven't they because uh you know when they introduced in play dividends even though they were throwing more value into the market it, it unstable the market didn't it It unstabilized their defender prices so people were unhappy mm. Well, there are a lot of people who kind of cited the the notion that this felt a bit more like a bookies game now, uh, which you kind of can understand through the notion of, of in-play dividends and that, that put them up and they left the platform. That's kind of their right to do so. I kind of understood it from a lot of people's uh, perspectives. But I think going back to the original question, day one, you're setting out your top two business objectives. Number one is fix the bloody tech stack. Uh, and, and number two is... Um, I, I mean, look, the marketing's always been really good. Tech stack, and I'd probably look at, you know, those couple of things that I talked about on the product side, whether it's the MB scoring matrix, the PB scoring matrix, and just kind of having a more uh, intuitive and well-designed uh, user experience on the platform and the app. I think those two things would be my main priorities, the, the back end and the front end of the platform before looking at the kind of the, the product and then, pushing out to as many people as we, we can because I think the last big growth spurt, spurt we had in January, I'm not sure if I were ready for it, you know, they were talking about hiring customer support people left, right and centre, more engineers to deal with bugs that were coming through and for a bit it, it kind of held true but then there was a bit of 
a waning where the 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 tech the underlying tech the back end plumbing just stopped kind of flowing for fi which was a a worry and i think hopefully one that they're looking to fix as as their utmost priority in the next season but then continuing on to what 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 chris said there about the instant sale I think 50% of sales, I'm not too surprised. I myself don't actually use instant sell too much. I look at it as a, a kind of a last resort. Um, but if, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really, I'm not surprised at all with in-play dividends coming in to, to fruition as they, they have. But I, I can appreciate we're getting on a bit now, one hour 30. So we'll move on to the last couple of questions. Uh, Samuel Gert, uh, do you think the market growing and dividends subsequently being raised is the FI business model and that it will be a regular occurrence? If yes, how often each time the market growth catches up with dividend increases? If not, when do you expect the final dividend increase? So I'm going to pivot this question slightly, guys. Do you think we'll see just dividend increases, share splits forever? Or do you think we'll see something more abstract and a bit more um, creative come in at some point? Well, I think generally it's it all depends on growth, doesn't it? I mean, we're seeing that big growth spurt at the minute, so that could prompt the dividend increase or not. But it all depends on growth and how many people are using the platform, how much money they've got coming in to the football index coffers. And then, yeah, I mean, will they bring something else in along the lines of like something on top of another, what you call a bolt-on, on top of in-play dividends? Will there be something else? But, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I think within, I think we've got a five-year window of this um, potential share split dividend increase cycle um, and some launches in other countries. And then I'd like to see it stabilised. But um, yeah, very hard to say. Mm. Mm. There's nothing really wrong with it stabilising eventually. You know, maybe it needs to stabilise. You know, it's going to the the game's going to be complete. Everything's going to be. I said this on my last appearance, but everything's set in stone. That's the game. Right, traders, go and play it. If you think Twitter's toxic now, wait till that day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's always going to be enough. There's going to be always be enough in the market to in the game to keep it going because there's so much change in a footballer's life, you know. So there's always going to be enough variables oh, yeah. without without growth for the game to survive long term. Mm. Mm. Well, we'll see what they do, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if there are any. Uh add-ons as you said there don or if they'll kind of completely change the model we've talked about like the bitcoin model being introduced we've talked about a percentage of daily kind of commissions being stamped on top of like dividend payouts there's so much they could do uh, we've got one last question here from sam richards do you think in-play dividends could get extended from 30 to 60 day holds i think if i they destabilised the market quite beautifully, I think, with the uh, in-play dividend um, announcement. So, you know, I bought a lot of the lower end in anticipation that this would kind of take off a bit. But I think you've got some flowing of money from the top end of the platform down to the lower end at the moment. And I think IPD is a part of that. I don't know if extending it to 60 days is the direction that this is just my personal opinion. Well, that, that's the same as just doubling the payouts, right? Yeah, and you enhance the attractiveness of that pool of players. More money flows down. I think I think it's good for the stock market to have your top-end players and assets performing well because I think that the majority of users that come into this platform in the pubs chatting will be watching Salah, 
Neymar, uh, Messi, they'll be talking about them in the latter stages of comp European competitions. There's definitely a marketplace for these lower end players and these goal scorers and defenders that get assists, you know, sort of mid-tier French clubs. But it, I don't think it's, I don't know if you want to magnify it. So I don't think they will extend it. And I don't think there's windows in the season where it particularly works yeah. anyway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Look, that's my opinion. And I think I think they've destabilised it enough. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry for those that love IPD out there. They're probably shouting at me. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Don? Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you, Panda. I think uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of an objection, but I'm struggling. But yeah, 30 days, it's, it, it's that instant. Well, it's not instant, but it's 30 days worth of potential dividends to your new purchase. Uh, make it 60 days it might just dilute the attractiveness like it's not going to dilute it really because you're adding value like fig said you're adding double the value to the in-play dividend but it just takes away from the uh like the quick hit so i haven't got i haven't really got an opinion one way or another but yeah and then you're going to add value to the bottom end of the market and then possibly bring the two closer together so it could like destabilize the market do they need to do it it's probably a bit too quick after the introduction of ipds in the first place interesting stuff i think uh i think we've answered all those questions really relatively well i've hardly said a word which is amazing i love doing that uh guys it's been amazing uh, having you both on and you said i agree with panda at the end there don so uh it, one hour one hour 35 in I've won this on points, haven't I? Surely. <laughs> yeah, it's going to the judges. I'll let the judges decide, which which isn't me, isn't it? It's the audience. But uh, what, where can people find out more about you, Don? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at Index Big. So it's The Don, because I had a bit of a profile change at Index Big. And I can be found on Index Gain website as well. All messages, uh, direct messages, welcome. You can find me at Football Index Panda. You can search that and at Sporting underscore Panda is the handle. And uh, I'm sure you see me and Don um, and in some friendly debates over the next few months. <laughs> yeah, but if you, I think there's going to be a rematch clause no matter what happens here, right? On either part. <laughs> uh, well, if you guys did enjoy that, please do subscribe to the podcast. Please do tell your friends about the podcast. And uh, why not leave a review? If you do love the show, leave a review tell me how much you like the podcast or tell me how much you hate it what i can do to to make it better if you guys aren't commuting doing whatever you're doing uh like panda said he, he likes staying at home likes working at home then uh tell me what you're doing when you're listening to the show and if you guys are commuting i hope this makes it less troublesome thanks very much for listening and have a great day doing whatever you're doing <laughs>